North Carolina A&T football is reloading, and they add three former three stars through the transfer portal. Oh, yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast. Your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, of course, I'm Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and contributing writer at USA Today's Saints Wire. I appreciate you. For going on this journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day, every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. You see it, you see it, you see it. Starts with an S and it ends with an S. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college to view all of the selections that Bird Dogs provides. Now, we're going to wrap up today's episode with the two-parter. Yeah, usually we started with the back-to-back with the doubleheader, but we're going to wrap up today's episode with a little bit of a doubleheader about the XFL HBCU showcase and then also a couple of players who could truly benefit from participating in said XFL HBCU showcase. But we will start off discussing North Carolina A&T football because they just added three former three-star players through the transfer portal who all have kind of interesting ties, so to speak, right? Now, the quality of the player is the foremost storyline. However, we don't know too much about those players from how they perform collegiately. We've seen what they've done in high school, and that's the three-star recognition that they were able to garner. But what they do in college, we don't really know. They're relatively unproven outside of the first person on name. So I'll say that the quality of player will always be the paramount, will always be the primary focus. But their ties to one another will be an interesting secondary thing here because they don't have any ties to North Carolina A&T as far as the university coming into it they have ties to their now teammates so i'll get into it without just i'm teasing a little bit right now let's just dive into it damon Harmon. damon Harmon is a, a defensive back out of oklahoma who comes in he's the one guy who has some experience damon Harmon is the one player who has actually registered collegiate statistics i'll say that right because his freshman year he was relatively a special teams guy for the most part. Then in year two, his sophomore season, he was able to play in 10 games. He was able to start in two of those games. And he had 18 tackles on the year. So it wasn't a huge production, but at a safety position, you know what? That's it's a pretty solid tackle number if you're not in the mix all the time. So I'll take that. Now, I'll tell you what's interesting about his transfer away from Oklahoma is that he's one of seven Yes, one of seven defensive backs to transfer out of Oklahoma in the spring. I just think that's ridiculous. Mind you, most times, just let's go with base defense. 
You're looking at four defensive backs, two corners, two safeties on the field at once. If you're pushing it, maybe five, you're talking about a slot guy, but let's just go with the base four. That's nearly two full starting secondaries that have transferred out of Oklahoma. I don't know what's going out going on out there in Norman. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. But I do find it absolutely fascinating that seven defensive backs, seven players from one position group said, you know what, we have to leave. And North Carolina A&T is the beneficiary of one of those guys leaving and one of the Big 12 cornerbacks, or excuse me, Big 12 defensive backs in general that they have is a former Big 12 cornerback in K-Ron Prunty who was at Kansas. Now, Prunty turned into a star for North Carolina a and He's a stud. Let's see if Harmon can be the same way. Now, Harmon's teammate in high school, not in college, but in high school, was Rashad Purnell. Now, here goes, we're just tying all of these players together. Purnell is a former three-star defensive end. All of these guys are three stars, right? But he was a defensive end coming out of college, and he had an interesting journey. So he originally went to Virginia Tech, signed his national letter of intent to, to Vitek and all of that. And then Vitek was just like, you know what? This partnership isn't going to work out. Let him out of his NLI, not his NIL, but his NLI. And he ended up going to Liberty. And I think that really stunted his growth, and it led to him not seeing any kind of action in his freshman year. But that's okay because – he has four years of eligibility. If you're not going to see any year or any time during your freshman year and you transfer, yeah, it sucks to have been in college for that amount of time and not have any stats, not have anything to prove or show for it. But at the same time, it is a benefit because you still have all four of your years of eligibility. And, you know, if we just talk about on the academic side, because these are student athletes, why do I put emphasis on the athletes if I'm talking about the student, right? But these are student athletes. Um, maybe athletes is one of those words for me. But because I did emphasize both of them. But you're looking at a guy who now gets one year of free schooling and now has four more, so he choose to use them. So now his teammate, or not teammate, but somebody he might know who was a former Virginia Tech player. Mind you that Purnell didn't actually go to Virginia Tech, but he did sign his letter to Virginia Tech. I'm sure that he knows some of the players who were up there. But you're looking at Kenji Christian. And Kenji Christian is a running back, and he might be the most interesting. This might be the funniest tie-in, not only to players, but then to the university. Bashul Tootin, star running back for North Carolina A&T. Somebody I'll probably talk about soon, if not this week, next week on the show. He went to Virginia Tech. So North Carolina A&T just lost a running back to Virginia Tech, and now they're getting one back. And I would be, I would honestly laugh if Christian came in and he was the lead runner for North Carolina A&T because you legitimately gave and you took. You gave and you received, excuse me, right? So I just think that's kind of funny, but that's kind of the tie-in. So you have Harmon, who went to high school with Purnell, and Purnell, who was a Virginia Tech hokey for like, the slimmest margin of time, but probably had some sort of communication with a guy like Christian and possibly even said, hey, I think we should meet up here. Maybe a little Heatles type situation. Maybe because, you know, if you're if you're looking at the tie in. In a sense. Purnell is like that middle piece. If you're making an L, he's that corner piece that connects the top and the bottom. He's right there because he said, you know what? I'm going to get my high school teammate. I'm going to get this guy new from my slim time at Virginia Tech. And I'm going to tell both of them, let's go ahead and meet in North Carolina A&T. And we'll see. 
they're former three stars. They seem to generate a little bit of excitement, but we'll really see what they're able to do the first year that North Carolina A&T is in the CAA, and we won't know that until the fall. But one thing we'll be able to see in June in the summer, and that is the XFL HBCU Showcase. I have a way, because I love this event, but I have a way that I think that the XFL could expand this event going forward year after year, and we'll discuss this going forward on Locked on HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs is easily the most comfortable pair of shorts that I own. And I just started owning them about a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago. They have jumped to the top of my list expeditiously. Matter of fact, I could probably jump to the top of my list just as fast if I actually was wearing some bird dogs because they allow you to move. Some people wear them in the gym. Some people just wear them casually. They have a bunch of pockets, right? I love the little zipper factor. I wish I could show you right now, but they have a little zipper pocket on the side which is perfect for holding your wallet, maybe holding your keys. If you're going somewhere, you want to make sure things stay secure. I love the pocket for that. Bring me more bird dogs. Bring yourself more bird dogs. And in order to do that, all you have to do is go to birddogs.com slash locked on college. And when you make your purchase, because you will, use the promo code locked on college to get a free Yeti tumbler to sip out of your new favorite cup while you're wearing your new favorite shorts. And as we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day for my everydayers out there. On tomorrow's episode, we'll be diving into the Orange Blossom Classic because Coach Taylor and Coach Simmons just had their, not introductory, but kind of a preview press conference for the OBC. But right now... We're going to dive into the XFL HBCU showcase. And I really think that this is important because XFL continues to make HBCUs a priority. And that's the reason that this event is so special. And I also have a way that we can expand what is already a great event. I don't want to make it seem like I'm being ungrateful. I'm just out here trying to brainstorm and be innovative, right? We're not ungrateful at all. See, HBCU players have chances in a bunch of leagues right that's what we love about these spring football leagues the usfl the xfl the cfl is because even if you don't make the nfl no matter who you are or what school you went to you have an opportunity to continue playing the game that you love and possibly even audition in a sort to the nfl there's been multiple players from the xfl who were invited into camps after the season but with all due respect with all due respect to the USFL, to the CFL, they don't prioritize HBCUs. The XFL does. These other leagues, they don't prioritize anybody. They just go get their players and go through their season and put it on TV and let you enjoy the product. And there's nothing wrong with that. The NFL, I don't think, prioritizes, eh, depending on how you look at it. I think they just they have a certain feeder system they like, but nobody really prioritizes certain schools the way that the XFL prioritizes HBCUs. They go out of their way to do it, and it's something that I genuinely appreciate because no one's asking you to do that. No one is. So this year they're having their second annual XFL HBCU showcase, and it's one of many. It's one of many. You got one in Houston. 
You got one in Vegas, I believe. I think you have one somewhere in Florida. But the difference in what you just heard is there's an HBCU showcase and then there's a bunch of city showcases. Those are two completely different things. Every other showcase that the XFL is putting on this year and last year outside of the one we're, di uh, we're diving into on this show is a city showcase. So I think that makes the HBCU special. Now, no one's asking you to do that. And anybody can participate as long as they went to an HBCU, aren't currently on the NFL or XFL roster, like, right? But an NFL roster, and they play either professional or collegiate ball within the last four years. That's all that's required. That's the only criteria for being eligible for this event. Now, here goes the part where I want to expand. I think it's a great event. I love the inclusion. I love prioritizing and featuring them prominently. I really do. And this isn't me being greedy. This is just me being innovative and me thinking of other ways to continue having this event never stall out. And I think a good way to do it is to have a revolving door of schools hosting. See, last year, Jackson State was the host. And that made logical sense. You have your first one. Jackson State was undeniably the hottest HBCU in 2022. If you can't accept or at least say that, you're hating. Like, like that's just the truth. This isn't a way to boost up JSU. That's just facts. When Prime was there, it had the most national attention. And this isn't a 50-year evaluation. This is 2022. They were generating the most clicks. They were getting the most national interest. People were coming through. That was the year of JSU for sure. It made sense to have this event on Jackson State's campus. But it's not there this year. It's in Clark, Atlanta. And I appreciate that because I think it needs to be a revolving door. So you hit your SWAC geographical footprint. Now you just hit the SEAC. So now you're taking care of two of the HBCU conferences. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Next year, let's go to North Carolina. And for our MEAC and CIAA people, does the overlap in geography allow for them to just get away with doing one? If not, let's do North Carolina. And then the next year, let's go to Virginia. Because now you hit every single conference in some way, right? You can have it at Winston-Salem one year and then you can go to Norfolk State or maybe you want to go to North Carolina Central and you want to go to uh, Virginia Union or Virginia State like that makes sense because now you've hit every single area but here's my thing once you've hit every area really once you've hit once you've hit the two that you're hitting now and then once you hit North Carolina Start going to places that aren't getting as much attention because you are the draw. You bring in all the HBCU players, but you, the XFL, are the draw. So here's my thing. This, this is the reason that I really highlight XFL being the draw because no matter where you go, they are going to follow you. They want a chance to play in your league. So if you say, we're going to Delaware State, we're going to Delaware State. With the XFL being the draw and knowing that no matter where you go, HBCU players are going to come out to your showcase, let's go to some of the HBCUs that just aren't getting a lot of love and let's shine a light on the players and the schools with this event. Some D2, some, some of the D2 schools aren't getting as much shine, right? Maybe we're going to go to a Fayetteville, one that's not getting as much nod. Maybe we're going to go to a school like Fort Valley State because you know what? People aren't talking about them enough. Now, I would love for them to have it at Texas Southern, 
But it's just not going to happen because you already have a Houston showcase. The XFL headquarters are in Arlington. You have the Combine in Arlington. So Texas is spoken for. But I think some of these other schools could really benefit. And you are the draw. People are coming to the XFL to be a part of the XFL. People are not coming only because, or excuse me, people aren't coming because, oh, you're at, a, you're at an HBCU. We got to come for that. No, the HBCU players are coming because it is an HBCU showcase. Allow that leverage to benefit other schools and not only go to the popping ones, right? Never once did I name a Grambling or a Howard. Didn't name either one of those schools. They can be included, but I'm thinking about how it could benefit some of the small schools. Mississippi Valley, right? You might take a minute before you go back to Mississippi because you started off at Jackson, but maybe you go to a Mississippi Valley. That's my way of expanding an already great event, and I appreciate and I love the fact that the XFL is prominently featuring HBCUs, whether that's with Coach Barlow. I read they had about 100 HBCU players and personnel and, and all of the things combined. And then, of course, the coach himself. Let's continue this. Who knows? Maybe going forward they say we want to do a D2 or an all-around FCS showcase. That's fine. But the way that they've treated HBCUs over the first two years of the Rock's tenure, it tells me at least that at some point, even if they venture off the path, they're coming back 100%. But in this 2023 showcase, because we're not always going to focus on the future, let's look in June and let's look at a couple of players who I think could really benefit from participating in this showcase as we wrap up today's episode of Locked on HBCU. And that's wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Now, I have four players. Let's see. One, two, three, four. Yes, I have four players who I think could benefit from being a part of this XFL HBCU showcase. Now, I want to make something clear because I don't know if it was as clear as can be. This is not only for rookies. And the only reason I make this distinction, because I did mention it in the last segment. The reason I make this distinction, clear as day, is because we discussed the XFL draft last week. So I want to be clear. This is not a rookie. This is not you have to be eligible for the 2023 NFL draft. This is you just had to play professionally or collegially four years or less. And had to been going had to go to an HBCU. So this means anybody could be it, right? That was an important distinction I wanted to make sure it was clear. But one player I think could really benefit from this is Kamari Averett. And the thing about Kamari Averett is he feels like he's essentially been blackballed. Now, Averett has some legal issues that led to him coming to Bethune Cookman. He just did. And he maintained his innocence the whole time. No charges were filed. He's maintained that he did not do it. He was innocent. He sued Louisville. So you take that, but he feels like that pass has still followed him around, and that's the reason that he's not in the NFL. He feels like no team picked him up because of the past allegations that he had at Louisville. Okay. That's a lot. Now, I'll say this. It probably doesn't help that he has other things in his past that have been alleged against him. 
And I'm not here to speak about whether he did it or he didn't do it. I'm not here to say he's guilty or innocent. I know absolutely nothing about the majority of these cases. So I don't have an opinion on it. But what I do have an opinion on is the fact that I know that allegations will follow you around no matter what. And it can be a stain that's impossible to get out. It can be impossible to get out sometimes. So when you're involved in the legal situations that he's been involved in in his past, for some people, it's just a it's a pattern. It's something that they can't shake. They can't get rid of. And it's something that they just don't want to deal with. But I do believe that if you are able to showcase your talent, somebody will pick you up. I've seen people with legal issues get picked up. I've seen people turn a blind eye to certain things. Kamari Averett is a huge tight end. I'm talking about a guy, I think he's 6'6", 250. Like he's a big man. His size is going to have to be one of the things that he showcases at this XFL showcase. But he's going to have to do that. He's going to have to. The next person I want to do or talk about is Claudine Sherless. And I think that Cherilis is a player who he he transferred in from UMass, so the University of Massachusetts, and he immediately ingrained himself as one of the best players on Alcorn's defense. Now he had to wait a year because of COVID and the Braves didn't play. But as soon as he got on that field, he was immediately one of the leading tacklers of the team. He's been a second leading tackler each of the two seasons that he played for Alcorn. And he's also been one of the most disruptive players. We discussed this with Isaiah Major and Johnny Chaney Jr. yesterday. We've discussed this with a multitude of defensive end. The disruption stats are something that Darian, the mouth of the South Gray, value, values extremely highly. I do. I think this is great. It's a marker of what you do. So in 2021, yes, 2021, two years ago, Jarlis was the second leading tackler on the team. However, he had 11 tackles for a loss, and he had two sacks, both of which were leading on the team. I know, two sacks isn't great, but he did lead the team in sacks, and he did lead the team in tackles for a loss. So what does he do the next year? He comes in and actually plays less games. He played all 11 games in 2021, but in his senior year, he only played nine. Did that stop him from improving his metrics? Not at all. Instead, he only went from 11 tackles for a loss to 14 and a half he went from two sacks to six sacks so now this is a player who played less games and yet was still able to up all of his disruption stats that 14 and a half was still good for best on the team that six sacks was good for second on the team I think that's a little bit more agreeable right we didn't want two sacks being leading but six sacks being second on the team is pretty solid to Malachi Bailey, who had, I think, either nine or nine and a half. So I'm sitting here like this is a disruptive player and a guy who also added a couple of forced fumbles to his stat line, added an interception, a couple of pass deflections. And I felt like you saw him just kind of mold into a more complete player when you look at those stats because he didn't have any interceptions. He didn't have any pass deflections. So he didn't have any plays on the ball with the ball in the air. And he didn't have any forced fumbles. So he didn't have any game-changing plays. That's, that's unfair to say without looking at every stat but he didn't have something like a turnover that could be a game-changing play now the next two players that I want to dive into are Ellison Jordan and then also DJ Golat. I thought that Jordan had a really good legacy bowl week of practice where he was knocking off players left and right 
right? I thought he was winning a lot of the one-on-ones. And he was just a player who I, I went in from not going in two weeks prior to the game, but only going in based off of what I was able to see in one-on-ones and in practice film. I liked uh, Ellison Jordan. I really did. Then his teammate, DJ Golat, is a player who's been invited to Commander's minicamp. He's been invited to Ravens minicamp. And I don't think he's been able to stick at either one of these places. But the fact that he as a quarterback has been introduced and excuse me, invited to two different minicamps, it shows me that people view his ceiling as being an NFL quarterback. Right? Honestly, he's not there now. But I said it. I think he needed a little seasoning. And the XFL would be the perfect Tony Sashery's form. Because I think he needs I think he needs a little bit of time actually on the field playing. I just think he needs that. I think he would benefit from that a lot. So with that being the case, let's get him to the XFL. Let's see if he gets a little bit of season. Let's get him a little Tony Sashries on him. And let's see what he can be from there. But I think it's extremely beneficial. Now, this event is the day after the XFL rookie draft. So all of the players invited have not been drafted. And all of these players will be rookies, so they're all eligible for the draft. Now, I think if they do well in a showcase and then maybe if they do well in a combine, they can either be undrafted free agents or they can be drafted in the 2024 XFL draft. So there's a bunch of options, but you have to be, and some of these players might not compete. Like Cherilis, he uh, he might get picked. Golat might get picked. You know, so who knows who's going to actually be available. But right now the pool is wide open, so I'm just picking a bunch of fishes out the pond. And we'll see if they're still there when it's time to actually perform at the showcase. And if they're not, just scratch them off the list. You have three other people who you can still look out for. So you have Kamari Averitt, Claudine Cherilis, Ellison Jordan, and DJ Golat are four players who I believe could truly benefit from taking part in the XFL's HBCU showcase. And I hope that you benefited from taking part in Locked On HBCU and making us your first listen of the day every day. If so, make sure you do it again tomorrow. If not, do it again tomorrow, and I promise you that you will benefit from making us your first listen of the day every day. I would never break a promise. <laughs> but on tomorrow's episode, we'll be diving into the OBC as Coach Taylor and Coach Simmons had a press conference for the event yesterday, I believe it was. Recording these at night, kind of get my days thrown off. But in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care. Stay blessed. Peace.